everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. And we are coming back to you after a Week 2 victory against the Chicago Bears on Sunday Night Football. It was the Packers' seventh straight victory against the Chicago Bears. And Matt LaFleur has still yet to lose to this team as head coach of the Packers. So, And, of course, Aaron Rodgers is still the owner. So it was a wonderful feeling on Sunday night. Braun, how are you? It feels good to be one and one, which, you know, all you can be after taking a loss in week one, but we are back on track. It feels like we are shaping up to be a good football team ready to compete for a championship. So, Griff, I'm doing good. I have to tell you, looking at the scoreboard when the game kicked off, where, you know, it shows the record under the team names on the scoreboard, seeing Chicago 1-0, and Green Bay 0-1, that was just such a weird sight. But Twilight Zone the- moment there. It was very strange, but now the entire division is one and one. The the Vikings just lost on Monday Night Football. Braun, you did mention last week that uh, there's a good chance the Eagles will blow out the Vikings. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of exactly what happened. And I also said that the only reason that team would ever not succeed this season is because of Kirk Cousins. And primetime Kirk Cousins showed up during that game. It's sort of like destiny, Kirk Cousins playing like garbage in primetime, right? Yeah, he was just absolutely terrible I mean some of the plays he made I don't want to get into many specifics but one sequence I will just for the fans here everybody saw right watching him throw that ball into the corner of the end zone that was like a <laughs> just that floater right and it almost got picked by Darius Slay and it was like oh man that would have been his ninth pick if they all got caught right and then yeah and then just to make sure that Slay caught it this time they ran the exact same play he threw the ball the exact same way to the exact same guy, and then Darius Slay caught the pick this time. It was just perfect. Just a great way to end the he game. He said, run it back, bro. Run it back. I got you this time. He pulled the Before the play, yeah. Remember in Dallas? Before the play, he pulled Darius Slay aside and said, I'll hit you this time. <laughs> Literally, is the same exact throw. They blitzed him on both plays. Oh, my goodness. We should have blitzed more, huh? I feel like we should have sent more right? pressure packages why at them. Is, why is blitzing Kirk Cousins not, like, a, an obvious thing to do? I, we didn't even talk about it last week that we didn't blitz him. Yeah, I guess they just wanted to play coverage and let the four-man get there. I, you know what? Yeah, the coverage. Can I say this? Well, well, true, but I will say this. In terms of game planning, when you have the roster on paper that we had on defense for the last game in week one, like, I feel like they probably were super confident in their four-man rush getting more pressure than it did. That's probably, were, I, yeah, I guess, right. right. So that's probably And I don't why. think that's foolish either. No, I no. I think we would have said that. We would have agreed. Like, what are they? how are they going to throw on us when we have those guys running on the four-man rush with Kenny, Preston, mm-hmm. Rashawn, and whoever else you put next to Kenny, whether it's Reed, whoever, right, like Dean. If they're going to rush four and then have those backers in the middle with the corners that we have and the safeties, it's like that makes so much sense. Why send pressure when you can get pressure theoretically with those four guys? It just didn't happen, and that's okay. Now we learn from that, and it's a it, you know it's it's a good learning experience, and hopefully now they at least vary it a little bit, like they did in Chicago because they did send pressure. Yeah, the game plan last week against Minnesota, it it wasn't that bad really, but the the worst part was just the lack of adjustments made during the game. Right. Um. But you know, after watching that Eagles game, it is kind of frustrating. Like, uh, it feels like we could have had a performance like this that Philly just had. Why yeah. couldn't this Kirk Cousins show up against us? I don't know. But uh, back to the Bears game, which is what we're talking about today. Uh, the Packers win it 27-10. to 10. Um, it, it, I feel like it was more of a beatdown than the score would, uh, would would tell you it was. And the opposing the Bears... team scored 10 points, and that tells you something, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but we left points on the board for sure. Two costly uh, fumbles. One fumble that we lost. One fumble kind of killed the drive. Um, a couple sacks taken by Rodgers, but outside of those few plays, it was really nothing but excellence, especially on the ground, which was yes. just phenomenal. 203 total rushing yards, which for a, for a football team with Aaron Rodgers, that is quite impressive. Yeah, the problem now for teams is going to be how do you defend, like you have to commit to you know mostly one thing because you're going into a game plan with a certain set of packages or for, for alignments and plays. How are you going to prepare for Aaron Rodgers and now a rushing attack with those two guys that are the best duo in football rushing for 200 yards a game with the ability to do that. And obviously we know what Aaron Rodgers can do. And now the receivers, it just, things started to really click. Things started to really click. And it was super encouraging. And now they can start to mix it up 
and it's just going to be so difficult for teams to prepare for, especially when Aaron Rodgers is throwing that football. Yeah, on that note, Bron, if we just want to get into it here, I on rewatch, I found it really interesting because so much of the NFL this, these days, especially this year, last year, is about playing too high defenses, keeping everything in front of you. But the Bears went with a totally different approach, which reminded me of how teams treated us in 2015. The Bears ran a lot of single high coverages and a lot of man coverage in obvious passing situations. They were challenging our guys to make a play in one-on-one coverage. And there were times where we were able to make a play. Like, if you remember on the in, in the first half when Rodgers went with the hard play action and then rose up and hit Sammy on the slant where he was in one-on-one coverage and he just ran a really nice route. Like, there were a couple plays like that where we were able to hit receivers in, in man coverage. But there were also a few plays where everyone was covered and Rodgers was taking sacks. So I feel like that's how teams are going to play us. They're going to dare us to run the football. And that's how the that's how the Bears played too. They stacked the box up and we were just able to move bodies across the offensive line. And Aaron Jones, my God, it may have been the best game I've ever seen him play. It was insane. I, I like. I know that he's a phenomenal, phenomenal player, but he looked like one of the best players in the league on Sunday night. Griff, that was some MVP-type football, the way he was playing. And this was what we were talking about in the past few years, about making it harder on teams to prepare for us or defend our offense by... You, you can't now... You can't just choose one. You, you have to try to defend both. And the way that we ran the football on Sunday with Aaron Jones... I mean, it's going to be tough. Like, teams are going to start to have to think about, well, we're just going to get, you know, the clock ran on us, and we're going to have no chance to win this game if we just let the Packers run. With And this is why you need two backs, because they both bring so different dynamics to, the, to what we're doing in the running game with Jones and Dylan. It just makes it so hard to defend and exhausting too and these teams are going to have to choose right but now are they going to really do what are they going to really let Aaron get at it with single high and these one-on-one coverages like this is this is enticing like we've never had it like this before and once David Bakhtiari comes back right not in a long time at least nothing with this Matt LaFleur regime I would say it for sure right and now you look at the way that David Bakhtiari hopefully you know in the next couple weeks is going to be back we're all anticipating that obviously And then Elton Jenkins, hopefully he starts to return to form after his return to the field this past Sunday night. The offensive line is going to start to come together, gel, play well. And then it's just going to be hard to defend. And I feel like we are not yet at our prime form of what this offense can be. And that's good because some of these teams come out and they look like the Super Bowl favorites in the first couple weeks. But this is about building a team that's going to get better every single week, and I think we're doing that, and it's it's really encouraging, Griff. It really is. It is. This is this is how our offense is going to win games this season. I feel like like this is the formula, you know, feeding the ball to the running backs, letting the O line work, and they played much better than they did last Sunday against Minnesota. I think the return of Elton, even though Elton, I don't think played his best game. I think the return of him made a huge difference because you're you're now putting Royce Newman back at right guard, which is where he's best. You're taking Jake Hansen off the field. And they were able to get the job done against loaded boxes. And it, what's crazy is that exhausting is a really great word to describe these running backs because you've got the true thunder and lightning and every every single running back duo in the league everyone describes it as thunder and lightning it's the most cliched thing in the sport maybe james starks and eddie lacy remember that thunder and lightning duo but this is like the (laughs) ultimate thunder and lightning because you're running around like a chicken with its head cut off trying to chase after aaron jones because he just he's so elusive and he can't bring him down and then aj dillon's in the game in the fourth quarter when you're down by 17 points and you're like i gotta tackle this guy now and you get ran over it's exhausting for a defense to have to worry about both of those guys and then we we ran i think what was it 11 snaps with both of them on the field at the same time Rogers said that we're just scratching the surface with what we're able to do with that. So that's really exciting how creative Matt LaFleur can get. Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, two of the smartest guys in this sport. I I can't wait to see what this offense looks like. And I think Rodgers mentioned at the press conference that it's it's not quite an offense anymore where you've got 15 targets to one guy and then five to everybody else. And that's, I mean, it's... It was nice having Devontae, obviously. I'm not going to deny that it was nice having Devontae, but it's like now we can really find an identity beyond just two guys, you know? 
Like this week it was Aaron Jones, next week it might be AJ Dillon, the week after that maybe it's Alan Lazard or Randall Cobb, and I feel like everyone's going to have their time to shine, and Aaron Jones is going to have to be the backbone of all of that, because he is the best skill player on this team with the loss of Devontae. Do you agree with that? Griff, I do, and you just made a lot of great points, and you're so right about letting everybody now have a chance to shine week to week. There's something exciting about the variability of who is it going to be this week that steps up and plays well because we need that. Every week we need a star. Who's it going to be this week? This week it was Aaron Jones. Last week it was A.J. Dillon, even in the loss. Next week. and, and But the good thing is, too, Randall Cobb played phenomenal football. Sammy Watkins played really well. Alan Lazard caught a touchdown. All these guys are contributing in their own little ways now, and, and everybody's doing their part and getting their chance to really make a, a large contribution. And, and that's so important to building a championship roster is, is finding these guys, letting them play their roles, having success, and starting to fuel that confidence in themselves and what they're doing, contributing to a championship roster. That just builds a Super Bowl team. And Griff, you talk about the same thing goes for the running game, right? These guys, the wide receivers are not just catching the football. Like Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard were blocking their butts off for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on Sunday night. And, that, and you, of course, we talk about Mercedes Lewis because he is like a sixth alignment out there when he's playing. He really right? is. He is, right? And even Robert Tunyon, is, is, he's become a much, a much more well-rounded blocker than he was when he was an undrafted rookie playing for us. So these guys have now embrace their roles and the way that we can run the football with those two receivers on the field is is really special and it makes it hard to prepare from the line of scrimmage for the defense what we're going to do and man it is exciting like this is a different type of variability because the defense doesn't know that we're going to throw it to Devontae Adams every play because he's not there anymore now they don't know who the ball is going to Everybody knows the ball's going to Devontae Adams like 95% of the time in in terms of the design play. Devontae is the number one read on these passing plays most, if not all the time. So now the case changes to where you don't know who it's going to be. Defenses can't just say put their number one corner on this guy or double team this guy. Now it's who's going to catch the football and, and they can't prepare for it the same way. Yeah, who's going to catch the football? Who's going to touch the football at all? I mean, Aaron Jones, like, it got to a point where the Bears had to have known that the ball was going to him. Like I said, they were stacking the box. They were playing single high. It's not like they were allowing us to run on them. They were trying to stop the run, but Aaron Jones just wouldn't go down. 139 of the Packers' total 203 rushing yards came after contact. Like, it, it, the, the O-line played well, don't get me wrong, but it, a lot of it was was done by Aaron Jones, and he talked about his, at his press conference his ability to not only evade defenders in the open field, but also the elusiveness during the tackle. He's always able to fall forward when he's being tackled. It's like when the guy who like grabs him by his legs to bring him down, like in the second level, he's always able to get like five extra yards because he just knows how to fall down the right way, you know? Same thing with A.J. Dillon, who might be even better at that, really, because he's a bowling yeah. ball. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's got to be a tough defense to defend, man. Or a, a tough offense to defend, excuse me. Because, like you said, are you going to... You can play that way, how the Bears played, and we commit to the run game, which a lot of people have been begging for this team to do under Matt LaFleur for so many years, to commit to the run game. And they finally did that. They had 38 rush attempts, only 25 pass attempts. The last time they had more rushing attempts than passing attempts would be... 2021 week six also against the Chicago Bears I don't know what that means but uh, I thought it was interesting that it's also against the Bears but it, that's a uh, fun fact yeah yeah it's a fun fact right but they don't do it often obviously because you have Aaron Rodgers and we used to have Devontae Adams but now we're finally going to lean on that run game and there were times where we had a couple unsuccessful runs in a row and Matt LaFleur didn't didn't get away from it and Griff you're so right because when you look at this duo in particular the one that we have now we haven't seen in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, I don't think ever, this kind of this kind of dynamic duo like we have now that's become superstars in this league, these two. And, and you know, we talk about Eddie Lacy and James Starks, but those guys were good. Those guys were very good, and they, they brought this dynamic complement that they had in each other that brought us success. But this is different. This is like almost that to a different level because they complement each other but they also do everything each of them at the highest of levels so it's just a whole different level of running the football that 
it just opens everything else up on offense, and it's such a spectacular thing to have. Yeah, they both catch the ball out of the backfield. They both pass protect well, and they obviously both run the ball well. We saw A.J. Dillon as a lead blocker on Aaron Jones' touchdown reception on the fly sweep. Um, so we, oh God, the pony personnel, the two running backs on the field at the same time, every Madden player is salivating at that, right? That's like that. You can get so, you can get so exotic as a play caller when you have two guys like that on the field at the same time. But, uh, Aaron, or Aaron Rodgers have to mention this also said that AJ Dillon might have the best hands on the team, which is honestly like, he's a great receiver. He's so natural at catching the ball. What was the last time he dropped a pass? And he's even caught some that were, like, not great throws by Aaron or they're, like, close to the ground. Like, he's yeah, he's just a very good pass catcher, and he's evolved into that because, like, we've talked about and we talked about with him when we interviewed him. He didn't do that as a rookie – or, excuse me, he didn't do that in college, and uh, they just didn't ask him to do it, and it's not that he couldn't do it because clearly now he can, has, and will continue to do that. Yeah, and Aaron Jones is a great receiver, too. We saw him catch a ball up the sideline on the opening series. Oh, which... that play. Vintage Aaron Rodgers. Oh, dude, that was that, so, the, the throw. Schedule. I wasn't even talking about the throw, but the throw. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> How, How do you put fact, that there? Just to add a quick comment about Rodgers, because I'm sure we'll talk about more with him in a little bit, but he was very – it was very much like a lot of the off-schedule stuff that we – miss about him but like appreciate the fact that he plays within the system we appreciate how great he was at those off schedule things with McCarthy and and all that but then we got a little taste of that I felt like on Sunday night where and I don't mind this because when things when it's not Devante and he's not going to force it in sometimes he has to go through his progressions and I like when he's getting in and out of the pocket stepping in and out like and he started a little slow in that regard, I felt like he looked a little bit slower than, than in years past, obviously, because it's another year older. But then he really started getting loose, and I felt like he was running a little bit faster and a little bit smoother in and out of the pocket, and then made some of those great throws to guys like Aaron Jones and Randall Cobb. Really looked like a vintage MVP-type game from Aaron in those in that regard. Yeah, he looks a little slower than he used to. Can't lie about that. But it is fun seeing him run in and out of the pocket just like he used to like that play to Cobb on the last series before halftime where he's he drops back and literally it looked like 2016 Aaron Rodgers he drops back five-step drop feels the pressure on the right side ducks under steps through between the tackle and guard and then on the run puts it on the money that throw to Cobb I could watch it all day it like that is just the perfect throw and I feel like uh, we're going to talk about Aaron more later. Back to back to Aaron Jones here. I have a nugget. I have another nugget for you, Bron. He forced eleven missed tackles on Sunday night, highest oh highest of his career in a single game. Eleven missed tackles, of course, per PFF. I've seen twelve floated around, but PFF has him at eleven, which would be the highest number of his career. And you could see it out there. He's averaging nine point one yards per carry this season. What if he? What if he turns into like? I don't know. This it's week two. It's week two is really when all the reactions come out, right? But what if he turns into like one of the, like what if he wins offensive player of the year? What if it's that type of year for him? It could be because last Sunday what if he gets, goes for two thousand yards. Like those are the things that start to come in your mind, right? Yeah, right. It could. That's he insane. looks so good on Sunday. I don't know if that's a possibility with the way that they deploy the two guys, AJ and Aaron Jones. I think they have to realize that Jones is he's got to be your bell cow. Well, people were, I mean, there's different games. I think the good thing and the best thing to do is run them both and figure out who's getting hot and then feed the hot hand. And that then is... keep them both on the field. That's what they did last week. It's not a problem. Right. Fantasy people won't like that, but, like, it, the truth is that's the best way to go about it because A.J. was very hot against Minnesota. He looked good at times, really, really good, and that's not a surprise to a lot of people. But um, this game, Aaron Jones did his whole "I'm on a whole different level" thing, where he's the MVP, of the league, balling out. That that you know that was just what he was doing, and we saw we've seen that over the years where Rodgers was saying, you know, this guy needs to get some consideration for MVP. That was mm-hmm. the kind of game he just had. That was that's you like you put him in the conversation with like Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, and it's Jonathan Aaron Jones Taylor right now. Jo- yeah. yeah, right. Those are the those are the guys you talk about. Is like they are taking games over, right? And Devontae, of course. The, right. How could the, we forget? <laughs> right. But those are like the offensive player of the year type guys right now in the league. And, and he's now one of them, obviously, and he's been that. But I think he's just getting opened up to the opportunities. And that's because Devontae's now gone. You really sounded like 
McCarthy there with the <laughs> find out who has the hot hand. <laughs> you remember you remember the days of uh, Ty Montgomery, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Oh. Oh man, who was the one guy? Uh, Capri Bibbs is that his name? He was on this team for a little while. <laughs> We've had a lot of guys. Kristen Michael, remember him? Yes, yes, of course. You want to start grabbing one off running backs here? <laughs> Aaron Ripkowski is fullback, but he Trey Carson. Trey Carson, wow, that's a good one. Um, how about uh, I'm all out. I'm segue here. So if you've listened to this podcast for a little bit, you would know that I'm kind of like a stickler for the run. You know this, John run, Crockett. Right? Like, okay, man, yeah, that's another good one. How about um, <laughs> oh Harris, Dewan Harris. <laughs> Whoa, that's a yeah. way. That's a throwback. All right, we're done. That's enough. Um, you know this, Ron. I I kind of like hate the run game. <laughs> I don't I don't hate the run game, but I think that uh, it's like. You know, in situations where the game is within reach, I would rather throw the ball with Aaron Rodgers than run the ball, just because that's what the math says, right? Like, you're going to average more yards per attempt, per pass Forget attempt. Forget the math, even. Forget the math. I mean, it's like what you just said. It's Aaron Rodgers. Like, that he's, yeah, the, right. he's the quarterback. He's the right. guy. He's the MVP. And I tend to get frustrated when people clamor for, run the ball, run the ball, when it's like, eh, we just... Uh, we we don't have the guys on the O line, or this game is a it's we've got to pass in order to win this game. Like running, it just doesn't make sense. But uh, about a, a few months ago, maybe about a year ago, I saw a thread on Twitter. I think it was Mitchell Schwartz talking about how the physical the physical nature of the run game of literal you've got five three hundred pound men moving people to open up lanes for your running back. When you are able to dominate in the trenches. It's a mentality. It gives you a confidence. It, and more importantly, the other team has no confidence in yourself when you're getting ran on, like how we ran on the Bears on Sunday night. And honestly, I think there is something to that. This is such a human game, Griff, and that is like, you break that down, it's a very humanistic aspect of what we do. Like, that is, in all terms, it's it's an emotional, it's a physical but it's all human, and that is a, one of the most human things you can put in, into perspective, right? That is, that's all off the field stuff, but really, it, it is all on the field as well. That's everything. Like that, that, and you're right. It's a momentum thing. It's a, it's a mentality thing, and those things really contribute to how you play on the field. The adrenaline that you have, it, it's all part of it. Everything is, everything is in the mind and, and the emotions of, of the game on the field. And it's all out of body experiences, essentially, too. So it's just that's a lot I just said there. I just realized, but <laughs> but uh, it's true. Like that that really is how the game is played, and and it's it's so much more than just these guys in these positions catching the football and running with it. You've got twenty two human beings on the field playing a sport. You've got eleven on a team trying to accomplish one goal, right? To really dumb the sport down for you. That's what it is got yeah. human human beings with emotions and in my later years too Bron, i'm also starting to believe more in momentum which i think we we saw a lot of that on sunday if you watched any football on sunday before the packers game there were all these crazy comebacks and it's like momentum it's there's no way to quantify it which always used to make me like i was kind of a momentum skeptic momentum's not real but i think there is something to it i think there's something to the collective the collective ego of a team when you're able to have the confidence in yourself and if you're losing you make one big play and it's like okay okay here we go now we can uh, get something rolling here and more importantly again i think it's the other team on the other side of that their lack of confidence they're like they're ultra worried about making a mistake about oh are we going to lose this game and then when you are thinking it's like when the ball's in the air we talk about this all the time Bron. when the ball's in the air if you're thinking don't drop it don't drop it don't drop it you're probably going to drop it the like this is a great point griff it's all about the whole and and when you talk about each individual and their emotions if each individual feels that sense of an uptick in adrenaline that is and then you talk about all 11 of them feeling that and, and harnessing it, that is too much to not have to account for or to not contribute to how a team plays, right? That's just, that's just logical. The way that all these guys, like, and you saw it on Sunday, when we are making plays, and, it's, and especially after week one, 
it's like when we start like that that play to Sammy Watkins on that first drive. That's kind of like and Rogers even pointed to that specific play, that slant that caught that he caught. That was just like we didn't see that at all in week one, especially with Sammy, right? And he right. makes that play, and everybody's just like, okay, here we go. Like this is now we're going, and it's and it's like that that collective sense of adrenaline, confidence. And if you don't think that all 11 of those guys having that uptick doesn't impact the game in any way, then you don't understand that this game is a human game and it's an emotional game. And it's one that is largely won off the field. And it's not just, I'm talking, and I'm not talking about just plays that are drawn up before the game. I'm talking about the emotional within the game sense of how you're playing and what you're doing with the football in the mind. That's a lot, but like again, this is a pretty deep conversation we're having. But it's it's so true and it's so relevant to what happened in this game, Griff. Because on Sunday night, it was all about momentum and and just when you think the Bears are going to creep back in and maybe turn one of those situations where they could come back, like we saw so many times this uh, on the Sunday and and throughout you know these first two weeks, just when you think the Bears might have a chance by scoring that touchdown with these fumbles that that we lost, then we get that stop and it's the game is over at that point because we know we have the momentum and we're just not going to go and lose and that's the way the game unfolded and that's why we won right yeah I'm really becoming a uh, momentum truther here if you will um the run game back to the run game it's it looked like the offensive line that we were hoping we would have this season right like if you think back to August when we recorded our training camp podcast how awesome we thought this offensive line was going to be we were really disappointed with it with it last week Ron but uh, this week it looked a lot more like what we were hoping to see which is one of the best offensive lines in football not just pass protection but also in the run game because they were really moving people Josh Myers John Runyon watching the two of them get out in space as the the pulling offensive linemen getting out in front of Aaron Jones, they, that that's just like, like Chris Collinsworth mentioned how fun it is to just watch the big guys move, and they, Josh Myers can fly, dude. <laughs> and Yash, too, like, we can't forget how yeah, athletic. Yash is like, really he, athletic. He is, when, in terms of Aaron Jones and even AJ, when they get downfield within the, you know, past the five-yard range, that's when Yash makes his money, because he is going to be there right with you uh, when you're running that football, and he's, and he's making those blocks downfield, and it's, uh, it's just a different type of athleticism that he has, which is it's really a great thing that he does provide us. Being our swing tackle, he he does a great job. Even though you know he's not the best in pass protection at times, right? But he can, he can really make his hay in the running game downfield. He doesn't get that opportunity a lot, and that's why maybe you look at PFF and his score isn't so great at all times. But when he gets in those chances where he can display his athleticism. He's so valuable, and he's actually quite rare as well in terms of what he does. So it's a it's a skill that not many in the league have at that position, but it's something he provides that is uh, certainly a, a spark when you're talking about the running game, and he is as big a part of that as anybody on that O-line. That's definitely what the Packers have to like about him because in pass protection, there's about not a few much. plays <laughs> every game where you're like, oh, man, so uh, how's David? <laughs> I, yeah, I wanted to but definitely, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, that is you kind of every player is different, and he's just one of those guys that he does one thing really well, and they're they're trying to harness it, especially with the way that they played last week. Um, they're starting to utilize some of that, and the, the, that, like I said, it really all depends on what Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon can do. They have to get down the field in order for him to really start running with them and make those blocks to get these even bigger runs. But he's he's going to continue to do that as long as they keep opening up holes, and then. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon fly right through. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the play-action game here because, like I said, the Bears, they were loading up the box. They were playing tight man coverage, and they knew we were going to run the ball, and we stuck to the run game, and we were running the ball at them. And then, like the 55-yarder to Sammy Watkins, like the, the three-step drop slants to Sammy Watkins in the first quarter, when you are running the ball like the Packers were on Sunday night, the play-action game works so much better because you watch these linebackers. I put a clip up on my story today, Bron. Did you see this? Number yes. 53. He It's a play-action play where Rodgers hard fakes it to the running back. The whole line is flowing to the right, and it's a play-action pass. And number 53, the Bears linebacker, runs all the way past the line of scrimmage and then turns around and runs 10 yards back upfield because he's like, oh, my God, this is a pass. Yep, he's supposed to be in pass coverage, right? Yeah, he thinks, oh, it was a run, it's a he's run. He's halfway through the like, C-gap. Oh, 
Yes. So he's, so he's back. He's got to run back. Like he's so he's basically walking back with his head down because he, he just, is. He's not even looking at Rogers. Yeah. So I mean, it's oh, he, he gave up. He was running with his complete head turned, like going to chase somebody because <laughs> he just because he, he single handedly made a terrible play that could cost the Bears, and it did. I mean, but that's, that's the what kind happens, of thing. and that's what it goes back to the the momentum that you get when you're running the ball well, when you're dominating in the trenches. That's what happens. You this this Bears defense. That guy number fifty three is thinking. I'm sick of being ran on right now. I am going to jump the C gap and I'm going to make a play. And then it's play action, of course. Um, Rogers finishes eight of eleven with ten and a half yards per attempt and a touchdown off a of play action. He was much better this week off a of play action than he was against Minnesota, which makes sense because we were running the ball a lot better and a lot more, and that has an effect on the play action game, of course. And it's not even just that, Griff. You know what else it was? Those reads, like, when, on the play action, it's got to be quick, right? Because you've already just spent maybe a second and a half, maybe more, uh, faking the ball to the running back. So now whatever happens has to be quick because those pass rushers are a second and a half into their rush. So uh, what he was doing really well was getting the ball, sticking it out, bringing it back quickly, right? That whole process was very quick. But then he's getting his read, finding it, and hitting it most of the time. But when he wasn't, he's, again, getting out of the pocket if he needs, stepping up, stepping through, evading tacklers, and making plays. And it's just like, man, this is, this is, it, it felt, it, it wasn't like this high, it wasn't 45 points, right? It was 27 points. Uh, but like we said, the fumbles probably cost us a, a couple more touchdowns. But it just felt like, man, this is Packers football. More so than any other year, like this feels like Green Bay Packers football. The way we're running, the way we were dominating the line of scrimmage, and then the way Aaron Rodgers was not only passing within rhythm, within the plays, off the play action, but then also when needing to, escaping. And then these guys like Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins and others are getting open when the play is off schedule and when Rodgers needs to kind of do some things outside of the scripted play. And that was having success. Aaron Jones, was, of course, obviously with that one in the first quarter. Though Again, these are things that just remind me of so much of what it means to be a Green Bay Packer on offense and on what we were doing on defense. It just felt like total exactly what we want to be moving forward in terms of Green Bay Packers football. This is how we want to play. And it just it really did feel great to see that come to fruition entirely. And I think it, there's only just so much to build on that. Like it was just I think this was such a great foundational game for this season. And I don't I hope I'm not overstating it, Griff. But I think that the way we played is is going to be looked at as the first game where we saw glimpses of what it means to be the 2023-2022 Green Bay Packers that are going to really contend for a Super Bowl. That was that was really well said. I'm trying not to get too high, which I always do, but I'm trying not to get too high off of a loss or a win versus a bad team. But I agree, man. This is how this team is. Any game that this team wins this year, I imagine it's going to look a lot like this because there's no Devontae. There's no Devontae having a 200-yard, three-touchdown game. Like that's Alan Lazard isn't going to give that to you. It's going to have to be a balance of the run game and the pass game, and more importantly, the play-action game, along with Matt LaFleur scheming things up. And another thing about Matt LaFleur, man, it's like he's getting so creative out there with the, the two running backs oh, on the man. field. We've been what wanting a game that for, from him. What a game yes. from Matt LaFleur. We've been wanting two running backs on the field for, this is his fourth year, so three years now, and he never gives it to us. Now he's giving it to us, and he's getting so creative with it. It's not just like... It's it's not just the most simple thing you could think of. It's he's actually doing the misdirection. In fact, the misdirection is so good that Rodgers got confused himself and turned the wrong <laughs> way, which created the the AJ Dillon fumble at the mesh point. But like we when you when you think about a coach who is in his fourth season, thirteen games, thirteen games won in each of his three seasons, losing at the doorstep of the Super Bowl. It there is a reality where he grows stale where he maybe settles, right? Maybe he stops being as creative, which is what happened to Mike McCarthy at the end of his tenure. And But there, there is a reality where some coaches, that will happen to you. Doug Peterson, it happened to him. But Matt LaFleur, he continues to evolve this offense. In, in like, it's only a two-game sample size, but I feel like it, schematically it looks a lot different than it has the last three years, which... Uh, okay, you you lose Devontae Adams, probably it's going to look different, but I don't know. I think that a lot of coaches wouldn't be making as many changes as Matt LaFleur has. 
Griff. That's, I mean, you're right. He he is totally. It, it's such a weird thing because we are one of, if not the most successful offense since he's came into the league as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. We have been that on that level, and yet, like you said, everything has just a little bit more variability. Everything has a little bit more just creativity. It's just these little things. Even the play action, just the way Rodgers is, is, you know, faking the ball to the running back. There's just so many things that he has. I know he's got more, too, and because we've only, we're only two games in here with this different group. Like, this is a whole different team now, like you said. Losing Devontae changes who you are. And he's got plays off of this that he is so ready to use, and, and I can't wait to see them. But we saw glimpses of it on, on Sunday. And all of this is predicated on us building on what we've done because if we play like we did – and, and like if we play like that against Tampa, we may not win, right? But the, there are some, there is something to this being a foundational game, right? And it doesn't have to be a total domination or a perfect, but it, it was the things that happened were the bad things, I guess. Like were just things that you can really easily fix, and things that we don't have a, a history of doing. The fumbles, the miscues, like those things are not. I don't think going to occur. I never felt like, oh, this is how Green Bay is playing. Like, like it never felt like Week One. It felt yeah. like it felt like a, a a true different type of game. Like that, we even then we've felt in a while. It was a different type of win. It was a different type of environment. It felt like a certain way of domination that it it was just this innate. Like we talked about to go back to what we were saying, it just felt like a, a whole different sense of momentum that we were just untouchable in so many ways. And then in the running, I think that part of it has to do with the running, the way that we were just absolutely running down their throats with no answer from the, from the defense. And then the way that the passing was working with the new incorporation of these guys that really don't all have Rodgers' trust, but they were making plays. And it's just all of the above just makes this one something I think we're going to remember down the line as, as a game that really altered the season and pointed us in a direction in an upward direction that's going to lead us to hopefully a team that can win a Super Bowl. We as Packer fans know how it feels to watch Dalvin Cook just run all over us. I'm going back to the the run game mentality thing. Like we know how that feels. I I don't know how I don't know how long it's been since we've been able to have that mentality on the reverse side, you know. Yeah. That's, I mean, right, and we've had Aaron Jones for a few years, but this is different. This is, and we know how good he is, but this felt, this felt like that. And again, mm-hmm. and on defense, Griff, we did let David Montgomery rush for over a hundred yards, right? And that's something we got to clean up. But it just, it felt like they're doing that, and we're never afraid though, because we're up by multiple scores. So it's right. not something. It's like we were letting them run. Yeah, the, on us. If that's exactly the clock, right. The difference right? is we were letting them run. We were inviting them run because. Exactly. It's like, okay, that's, Justin Fields threw the That's the defense the we're showing. Exactly. Yeah. And what did they do? They threw it 11 times, I think. <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, that's you're going to let them do that because when Justin yeah. Fields does do that, Jair Alexander is going to come and snatch one from you pretty quick, and he <laughs> did that too. So, All right, we've already kind of talked about Aaron, but let's let's dive in a little bit deeper. What did you think of Aaron Rodgers' performance on Sunday night? So, again, like the, some of the issues we talked about, like maybe like if you look at some of the imperfections of this game, Rodgers had his fair share of those by whether it was missing a cut like one or two easy throws like he usually hits those things like I they don't concern me and that's good because he's still working his way into what and he does this every year even when he's won MVP it takes time it's never always like he doesn't ever come out of the gate swinging the only time he did that was in 2020 and, and that was really weird and that was because they just drafted his successor. <laughs> yeah, that was an abnormal, like, and it, believe me, wish we had it. I did not, wasn't mad at it when it happened, right? <laughs> yeah. It, and also, they were we were doing things that were never seen by the league at that point, and um, a lot of, with the play-action rollouts, and Rodgers was on a different... Yeah, that, that offense. Was, that was, we, yeah. You know what we need to do? We need to go back and watch a 2020 game, like, uh, like any of them, where we scored yeah. a bunch of points, because it looks so much different than it does now. And you know what was funny, Griff? We talked about this a lot. How they just teams are covering up that play action to Tunyon, where it's that right. B, that that PA boot. They did try yeah, it the, on Sunday yeah. night. Yeah, I don't know if you saw. They tried it with Tunyon on Sunday night, and it was covered up. And but he still uh, hit him anyway. We tried that? it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we, then I'm we, pretty sure he hit him with it after like waiting, thinking it's going to be covered. Then the, the the 
defender. I don't know if it was a linebacker. I'm, I'm sure it was. I'm pretty sure he's thinking Rodgers looked away. Then when Rodgers did look away, that's when he hit Tunyon again because right, that's when right. the linebacker kind of stepped off. So we tried it, and it was a little bit covered up, but it worked. Like, he got the ball to him, and it wasn't a significant gain, but it was just, like, kind of keeping that in the minds of the defense because we it's been a while since we truly tried and hit that. And when we were throughout the year last year sprinkling that in, it just wasn't working. So I'm, I'm glad it, they kind of got it, like, to that. We tried it once in the Chicago game, and every defense now, since so many, half the league is running these offense, so all the defenses now are teaching the defensive end, who was unblocked by design, because you want to you wanna put him in space and make him choose between rushing the quarterback or covering the flat. That, that unblocked end is now taught to crash the quarterback before Rodgers is even turned around, right? So, like, he takes a snap fakes the handoff. Before he's even turned around, he's got a guy in his face. And that's what happened against Chicago. That's what's going to happen 99% of the times that we run those plays because defenses figured it out. That's just the, it's just how the league works. It's natural, right? But yeah, you're right in that we do have to keep it in their mind because another part of it is when the, what does LaFleur always say? What did he used to always say? The illusion of complexity. Is that what he used yeah. to say? Yeah. It's like, when you do have that same play, but it's a run instead of a run fake, Rodgers is still going to fake the rollout. So you, you got to keep it in their mind. He's crashing to the quarterback, right? right? Yeah. Rodgers has You his take back him turn. out of the picture. Yes. Yeah. And it's all yeah. about that, right? And even, even like, let's say when they do make that move and want to hit Tunyon with the play action rollout, and they, like, they did, I'm almost positive they hit that play on Sunday night. Uh, but it wasn't, a, like I said, it wasn't a significant gain, but I'm pretty it's sure. It's not they, automatic anymore. Right, and it's not automatic like it was in 2020, but it is still in the back of the minds of every team because that was such a staple of Matt LaFleur's offense in those years where we were dominating. Now it's a wrinkle, and that's the great thing about what we're doing. He's evolved, and this is, Griff, I, I feel like a lot of the things we're talking about are tying back into every point we've made, um, <laughs> and, and that's just one of those, right? Like His evolution has turned it into something that teams have to worry about, but it's not even that significant a part of our offense, and again, that's the pregame. That's the pre- that's the preparation of they have to now really account for that because we could bring it back anytime we want, and if you're not prepared for it, it is going to kill you as a defense. Yeah, right. And we we have so much of that on tape that every defense we play is going to be worried about it at the very least, right? Exactly, so, and that's all they want. In the grand scheme of things, Rogers signs the three-year deal. He's going to be here for... He's going to retire a Packer. It's just, when does he retire, right? So I feel like we're entering in the, the final era, the final stage of Aaron Rodgers' illustrious career, right? And a lot of coaches, I feel like, would just buckle down and Rodgers would kind of ride out into the sunset following a seven-win season. But I don't think that's going to happen, man. I just don't. I think that relationship is too strong between them. It almost feels stronger than... Rodgers and McCarthy ever were almost like I, I don't really know how they were I was too young but just like the way they talk about each other the way they talk to each other on the sidelines I just feel like there's no way that this offense isn't going to be successful you know yeah it's it's something like we talked about again it's off the field that relationship makes it so much easier to communicate within the game during the game and they're always on the same page it seems like and, and Rodgers has talked about this in the past where he thought of a play after, after, you know, even whether it was in a two-minute situation where they're kind of rattling things off quick, whatever it is, right? Rodgers has something in mind, and then Lafleur makes that exact call, and that's that, like, kind of on the same page in unison that's from the play caller to coach. That's what you in the relationship, right? From the quarterback to the play caller, yeah. I mean, that's exactly wonderful. That's what you want. That's that, that means everything they have in place is working. And when they then when it when it's a successful thing, and when you see Rogers looking at the sideline, like that's a good it's call, amazing, Matt. Amazing, dude. Like <laughs> that's God. what we love. That's the that's the whole reason those guys are out there to to mm-hmm. put work in, let it come to fruition on the field, enjoy the moment, the excitement, and win. Like that's everything we're here for, Griff. That's everything they're there for, and it's like that's that's football right there. And and they're so excited to be able to be doing that right now. And to differ from what they were doing in week one where things weren't always working. Now to see that happen in week two, it encourages you about what the future holds for this team currently. Even though we sit at one and one, a 500 football team through two weeks, 
just feels like a team <laughs> destined. Football. That is such a funny sentence. Right? A 500, a 500 football, football team, team through two weeks. Through two weeks. We, we just feel like a team destined for something greater, right? And it's just it's, – it's a weird situation. And like you said, this is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's almost, I think, the ushering of a new era within this era of Matt LaFleur. And I think we saw it in his play as well in week two with a little bit more of that vintage Aaron. I think we're going to see more of that off-schedule stuff. And it's weird because we don't have Devontae. But I think that's because he's not going to be looking to Devontae on every play, as we know. And he's not going to be throwing it to Devontae on every play. He's going to have to get a little more creative trying to find who's open. And that results in having to do a little bit more creativity from Rodgers' part. And, of course, that means a little bit more off-schedule going through his progressions and doing what he really still does best which is hitting guys when defense has already broken down. That's great against the Bears, the team he owns. That's great against uh, a team, uh, a defense like the Bears, but I don't know how that's going to work out against Tampa Bay. Again, right. I'd like to see him play a little bit more within the offense there, but, I mean, who knows? Because the throws he was making off schedule on Sunday night— I don't know. Maybe he can ride off that, right? That, Maybe these guys the are all going to get predicated, better. It's, it's pre- like, exactly. It's predicated on is this offense going to continue to gain trust in each other and are, are the receivers going to continue to get better? Are Watson and Dobbs going to continue to evolve in, in their growth within the offense and Aaron Rodgers gaining his trust? Sammy Watkins, too. All these guys, are they going to continue to just develop within the offense and the way Rodgers wants to do things. And Rodgers really did emphasize this offseason a lot and in training camp about the off-schedule stuff. That's important to him, and, and that when the play breaks down, you need to be in position. And I think they're going to get better at that each and every time it gets like that during a game and in practice. We saw some glimpses of excellence with it, and I think they're going to continue to get better as we go. So my, my main point is I think we're going to see more of it than ever because Devontae's not here. Will it be successful? That's predicated on the foundation being built upon each and every week. Right, and Roger said that there, th- this was not a perfect game by any means. A lot of brain farts, a lot of mental errors, and but it's week two, right? It's week two. This team is only going to get better. I said that last week, and it's still true. Eh, I don't know if they're only going to get better from here because this was a really good game, but this is the baseline at least, right? This is the baseline of what a good game looks like for this team. It's the foundation, Griff. It really is. And if we go into Tampa Bay and either lose a close game or squeak out a win or maybe we'll win by a lot, but whatever happens, or maybe we'll lose by a lot. Should have put that out there. Yeah, that's the one possibility. (laughs) That's not unlikely, right? It's not (laughs) unlikely. But whatever happens, this this game is the foundation for what we can be, and it may take a few weeks to get back to where we need to be, but it's all going to be part of the learning experience of what – week one was and what last this this past game week two was it's all going to build us into what we're going to I think this is just a different season Griff it's just going to it's going to continue to be part of of the build up to what we can be later on in December and January and maybe February (laughs) hopefully February they're gonna they're gonna have to find their identity and I feel like they're gonna look at Sunday night a lot in search of it. Um, before we move on to the defense here, I want to ask you what was your favorite Rodgers play? Because it wasn't a, it wasn't like a really good game from him. We've seen much better games. Even the stat sheet, it wasn't his best statistical night. Yeah, um, no, but he wasn't. made a lot of like just really like wow plays. You know, a lot of like big time throws, if you will. It was a lot of the like I said, it was a lot of the vintage get getting out of the pocket and off schedule making those throws. There was a few to Cobb that I really liked, but the one, we talked about it a little bit, where he got outside the pocket, rolling to his right. Cobby knows exactly what to do. Cobby, like, of course him. it's Cobby who makes that play. Of course dude, it I'm, is, dude. They brought up this point during the broadcast about him, um, kind of saying, you know, if Rodgers really doesn't trust these guys yet or if he's, not, if he's worried that they're not going to be able to be in the right position or if they're not in the right position, lean on me, Aaron. And I, I, I totally agree with that. Rodgers should look to Cobb more often, trust him, put, give him the ball, put the ball in his hands and let him do what he does. And we saw that a little bit. You know, I think he only had three catches on Sunday, but I, I, I would say give it to him more because you know you can rely on him. And he, it's not like he's not getting open because he is. He looks good to me, Griff. You always bring up that you don't think he looks, as, you know, he looks slow or whatever. I think he looks like a reliable target for Aaron 
and I'm excited about what he's going to continue to do in this offense because they're really still getting back to it as well. I mean, Cobb was dealing with things last year, and whether it was injuries and whatever, right? Like, they, they need to evolve as, as with Cobb being a true main target. Again, Devontae was the guy last year and every year. So Cobb is now a focal point in this offense for the first time since he left Green Bay, and they're going to now need him to kind of continue to gel with Aaron again, and he's kind of getting back into that groove with Aaron. And, and I'm talking about in the real games, and it's working so far, and, and I think it's only going to get better from here. I think Cobby is a great safety blanket, especially on third down. For whatever reason, he turns into his 21-year-old self on third down, always. Um, but I, I think he's a great... He's like... He's like, I don't know, he's like all the receivers late in their career. You know, they slow down a little bit, but they just know how to find the holes in the zone. They always know where their quarterback's going to look. They have the football IQ. I feel like that's what Randall Cobb is. And also, that play where Rodgers scrambled to his right and hit Cobb on the run, that was tight man coverage. But Cobb was open, right? That's why, if you look at the end zone angle, that's why Rodgers steps out to throw to Cobb. He's not, he's not rolling out to run. He's not rolling out to hit anyone else. He's rolling out because he sees Cobb breaking open on a corner route. Beautiful stuff, right? And that was yeah. and, and like Cobb is going to be Julian Edelman for this team. He's going to be exactly. that guy. Julian Edelman, yeah. Isn't that, the, isn't that a perfect comparison of what it means? It is, he, yeah. He's going to mm-hmm. be relied upon in big games to make big plays, the same way Devontae was because he's the superstar, right? Cobb is going to be that guy because of the trust connection and just the reliability of him, and, and that's going to be... I think that comparison is really strong because we're going to see that show its face throughout the, the course of this season, and we saw it on Sunday night. Putting Cobb in the backfield... I'm a huge Ooh. fan of that on passing downs. On passing downs, I'm that a huge was fan of that. Oh, what was that? The third God, down. That was, it was third oh and goodness. eight. Third and seven, maybe. But God. third and eight, he caught it for nine. My goodness. Atlas Floor was able to isolate Randall Cobb one on one with Roquan Smith. That's just like, that's football right there, dude. That's football. What a game. That was <laughs> what a game. That was such a great moment. Felt like yeah. every time we ne- remember that second and twenty eight. How do we get out of that screen? How do we get out of that? Second and 28. When's the last time we converted a first down on second and 28 without a penalty? That just that was it crazy. Just felt, and you know what? I felt like we could, too. It was just weird. Like It was just like we felt like the momentum of the game kind of spun us into this circle of like we can do anything right now, and we did. The only thing that stopped us was the miscues that were a little bit out of our control. Mm-hmm. That's And those are things you're not going to worry about moving forward because – Part of them were on Aaron Rodgers, and I, I'm sure he'll be okay. All right, I want to switch to the defense here. Um, once again, the first drive, not good. Not good at all. They, the Bears marched right down the field on the opening drive. But I'm able to stay calm just like I was last week because I'm like, all I can think about is how, how long they practiced that series. How, how scripted was that series? I'm guessing heavily scripted, and they knew what every single play would yield. Um, because that's just like, I feel like this was a problem last year too on defense. We allow the opening drive touchdowns. Am I wrong about this? Am I misremembering? I wanted to check, but I feel like last year, every single game, we were allowing a monster drive on the opening possession. No, Griff, you're right, and that was literally a topic of discussion throughout the year. Yeah, right, and the red zone defense was really bad last year. Yes, so the things that we had been doing well over the past few years, we were not. Usually we were good at getting teams out uh, with either a three and out or a big stop on the first drive, and that was kind of the end of Mike Pettin's tenure, right? That was when we were really doing those things well. Then in Joe Barry's first year, some of the things that we used to do well, we weren't, and it was a little bit of a flip. And now this year, again, we kind of had that similar thing, but it's early. This defense is still kind of gelling with the group that they have. This is the first time that we've had this, like, absolute core of guys like all 11 and even some underneath those 11 guys they're just they know their role and they're going to be starters and they're expected to play really well and they're stars for this team and that includes guys like Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, all those guys. They all have those roles locked in. So it's a different type of mentality. A lot of these other guys are like kind of fighting for roles or they're, they're we're unsure of if they're going to be good enough to continue playing in those spots. And, and now we've got all our starters, and, and it, it's just this group of all stars basically. And it's a different type of uh, different type of team when you're when you're playing that way. And they're kind of fitting into that role now. You know, each game it'll get a little better, I think. 
but like you said, you know, they came out hot. Chicago came out hot, and it was a little scary. But I never felt in danger, especially against Justin Fields, knowing yeah, that no, he hadn't never. he hadn't thrown the ball, you know, like any in any pr- impressive way, and we hadn't allowed anything spectacular. The running was the issue, and again, that, that when we go up by two scores, even three, it's not something you worry about when they're running the football. And when the game was close, when the Bears still, like, early in the first half, uh, after the first drive, we were shutting down the run pretty well. Yeah. And do you remember Do you remember the play, the tackle for loss that Gary had before halftime? Yeah, that was ferocious. Ferocious. That was, oh, my God. I watched that play, like, four times in a row, dude. He's just, like, <laughs> so quick with the hands. And it's like, he's he's not the best run defender in the league, but when he can do that, like, the, the play's over. Like, there, it's dead. You can't do anything. Even the tackle who missed the block, like, it wasn't a horrible block by him. Gary just, like, he looked like Aaron Donald, the way he just, like, swiped his hands off fast like that. He's a um, quick-twitch guy. I mean, once he commits to the run, like, once once he knows I'm going to go stop the run, there's nothing you can do. And like right. you said, there's times where he maybe over-pursues the pass or tries to get after the quarterback and it's a run play, and that's part of what it means to be a really great, you know, that that's, he's targeting the quarterback. It happens, right? Zedarius had that issue all the time when he was – um, when he was here, uh, because he's just so so heavily pursuing the quarterback, but he's definitely gotten better at setting the edge and being there when the backs might want to turn outside. But he's also just continued to be a strong defender. Once the play is a known run, he's really it's it's hard to stop him when the run is coming his way, and and he's. That's why he's one of the best defensive players in football at this point. Certainly, he's having a great year. He had a sack on Sunday night. Preston Smith. Had two sacks. Preston Smith, man, this guy is one of the most underrated players. Just consistently good. I know he's your guy. He is my guy, and he continues to prove you wrong every year, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I have to get defensive here. There's no denying in 2020 he had a much worse season than he did in 2019. Okay, but I will admit. But you know what? He has bounced back you? so strongly. I have, yes, I have to interrupt you though, because even in 2020, in his bad year. He was batting balls down. He was creating turnovers. Like that was his bad year, and he was creating turnovers and and still making plays. Like I was, I, he continues to impress me every year. And he, he I, even without Zadarius, like he still has that motivation. He still has that excitement, and he just got this massive contract, right? And like, and I'm so glad they've kept him around and and paid him every penny he's worth, because he's he's a very very suitable guy next to Rashawn Gary. And he's so great at defending the run, and he's and even he's you know, one of the best funny, edges in the league at defending the run. He is spectacular, and you know what's funny, Griff? Justin Fields tried the guitar fake of Aaron Rodgers. The, oh, that, that was classic. hilarious! And then Preston's like, I've seen that too many times in practice, and he's just so intelligent because he's gonna go straight. He kind of like waited a half a second to make sure. Once he saw Fields had his back turned, I'm not even sure he looked at the running back. Once he might have right, but it was so quick I couldn't even notice. Once the ball, or once once Fields has his back turned, he just rushed right at him. Fields turns around and he's got Preston right in his face. <laughs> I mean that's a scary sight for Fields, and it was clear. Another sack, two two sacks in that game. I mean, what more can you ask? In his first like sack, him? his first sack, he got chipped by the tight end. Gets dips under him, oh. and then he goes all the way around the tackle back to where. Fields was coming out of the pocket on the right side and sacks him. That was yeah. like one of the most athletic plays he's made in a really long time. Yeah, because that was that was kind of almost like a coverage sack, but he had to do so much to get it. It wasn't yeah. even like it, Fields was just under pressure and so disrupted. He had to kind of get out of there, but Preston still chased him down from within the pocket and kind mm-hmm. of collapsed on him, pushed him down like that that he looks impressive, Griff, and this is I mean, he's he's been here for a while like I said. There's, he has every reason now to maybe not play as well or not live up to the contract that he just got because he's gotten paid, he's got a lot of guarantees, and he's been doing what he's doing. And his brother, Darius Smith, is not there anymore, right? But now he's continuing to play really well, and, and I'm excited to see what he does uh, you know, next to Rashawn Gary and continues to be a true impact player, captain-level player, although he's not truly a captain. That's what he is for this defense. Kenny Clark had four pressures. Preston had six pressures. Oh Rashawn my had gosh. another three. Those are the three guys on the in the pass rush that. That's, that's what you talk about the front four. Need. Yeah, when you talk about yeah. the front four, those three guys are the key to that. And then whoever 
like it's almost like the running back. You just kind of feed the hot hand. Whoever's getting pressure, whoever's pushing, uh, disrupting the line of scrimmage. We always talk about Griff. You need a line of scrimmage disruptor next to Kenny Clark to really help get avoid uh, to really help avoid those double teams, right? And I think whether it's Devontae Wyatt, who played a, a few snaps, whether it's Dean Lowry, who has shown in the past couple of years that he's willing and able to disrupt the line of scrimmage, all these guys, like whoever it is, Jaron Reed had a sack. Whoever it is, is that is going to disrupt the line of scrimmage, you're talking about four guys that are really going to push the pocket. And that is scary. Once they start to get that going and rolling, and they did do that on Sunday night, once they continue to improve that too, it's going to be tough because then how are they going to pass against us when the four-man four rush is getting pressure and you've got Jair, Stokes, Rasul, Amos, who had a big bounce-back game, and Savage. I mean, it's hard. And with those linebackers, Griff, Quay Walker looks like an absolute star out there, and Devondre continues to do great things, right? Making And they're all making splash plays, too. And Rasul has an impact at a different point in the game. Devondre makes a big stop. It's like everybody's getting their stuff in. Everybody's playing well at different points when you need them to, and that's what creates a great football team with a, with a chance to win a championship. Quay had a 87.3 coverage grade on Sunday night, which was the highest of any defender on the Packers. I feel like like he's just so athletic, and it's it's so hard to play linebacker because you have to really be good at being two places at once, right, in the middle of the field. And I feel like he's getting better at that with the high-low reads because he's got someone in front of him, and he knows he has someone behind him, and he's trying not to creep up one way or another. And he, he was really good at that on Sunday night, forcing Justin Fields either out of the pocket or to somebody else on the field. Um, Devondre, really surprisingly, has already almost missed as many tackles this season as he did all of last year. I think he missed four all of last year. I think he's already missed three this season. Um, I'm not going to count on that to continue. It's just like last week where we gave up the big plays to Jefferson, busted coverages. Adrian Amos played really terribly. That's just not... I I feel like that's just not going to happen later this season. Adrian Amos playing that poorly. Devondre Campbell missing these tackles. Aaron Rodgers having two fumbles on the season now. Like, these things aren't going to continue. We're going to clean that up. Exactly, Griff. Right. Those those are the things I was talking about. Like, the reason we didn't score 50 points in this game was some of those things. But I'm not concerned about those things occurring, you know, further down the line. Those are things that we know will not happen again at least not you know not often not something that's going to debilitate this team from becoming what we want it to be so right. I'm very unconcerned I'm very excited about the the encouraging aspects of what we just did and again Griff this is a foundational piece of what this season's going to become and I'm super excited and I think we really put a nice bow tie on that game and uh, I'm excited Griff to talk about uh, this came coming up against Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we will talk about in our game preview later this week. We did tease that last week as well about the Bears game, but we were having some severe technical difficulties. So that unfortunately, we couldn't get that one out. But this week, we will be having a Buccaneers preview out this week. So pay attention to that. Braun, I just want to mention that Devondre Campbell last season, remember, if you remember in week two, he allowed one of his only two touchdowns all year to TJ Hawkinson on Monday Night Football. Never forget one Petey Bukowski saying that. <laughs> I don't know about you, but Devondre Campbell has been terrible. Yeah. That's our favorite then, tweet to go back to, I think. And I, you know what I'm really proud of, too? I thought I said after that I was like I saw people on Twitter and everybody with an outcry against Devondre there Campbell. There is there is yes, there's audio evidence of you saying this. And I was yeah. like I thought he was quite good. I, I Me too. He, I yeah. was like he caught it it's like, you know one of the better tight ends in football caught a touchdown and he was in good position like I, don't, yeah. I mean like on a really was, great throw. Oh, I was no. like I've never seen anybody run that fast for us at that position. <laughs> like I was impressed on that play. Yeah, I know. Like I was just and like I if that's BJ Goodson, he's 5 yards behind. Him. <laughs> at least he's in exactly. position. Yeah, like I was impressed, and and then he wait and went and won an all pro. Like it's just so. Again, I'll take my take my point there as well. <laughs> victory lap. <laughs> Are we ready to wrap this up here? Yeah, Griff, what a show, man. All right, yeah. So we're going to be back later this week with a preview about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who I'm sure you all know is they will be out, be without Mike Evans, who has been suspended for picking another fight with Marshawn Lattimore. So maybe Tom Brady without a super team. Wow. Tom Brady without an all-star receiving cast because Chris Godwin did not play against the Saints, correct? No, he didn't. But yeah, you know, we'll see Julio, if he, I don't think. Yes, we'll see if either of those guys, you know, do come back. But 
Um, regardless, not having Mike Evans out there, Jair usually plays really well against him, to be fair. But uh, but the truth is, you know, not having him out there is going to change things for sure. But um, we know we know Joe Barry. He'd probably stick Rasul on Mike Evans. Probably stick uh, Shamar John. <laughs> <laughs> Shamar John Charles on. <laughs> Look, that's uh, just our philosophy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the physical, you know, whatever, right? Like, but I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for this game, and I can't wait to get into it a little more in depth once we hit the road later this week, and, and it'll be fun. Yeah, that's going to be fun, so stay tuned for that one. It should be out later this week, closer to game day. It's going to be a lot shorter than our reviews. We're, we're trying to find our rhythm here this season, right, Bron? We're trying to find a little routine here, so I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a little bit shorter, but we really don't know yet. We haven't recorded it, yeah, so yeah. just stay tuned. We'll see, though, for sure. I mean, I mean it's it's going to be good. I think we'll get the uh, the two a week with one one of them being a little bit of a shorter dosage that you can, you know, even if you want to listen to it pregame in the morning or right, you know, yeah. one of the, it's It's going to be a little bit shorter because like we used to do, we, we would do the, the game review and the preview, and it would, you know, usually wouldn't be more than a, more than an hour and a half, but it would never really be under an hour, I think we're going to find a, a bit of a rhythm, like you said, Griff, and, and it'll be another show, too, so it's always exciting to get more content from us, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, so thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will be back, and if you liked it, please rate it five stars on all platforms, whatever platform you listen on. Uh, send us a DM if you listen this far. That always helps. Um, share it with your friends and family, and subscribe, too. Don't forget to subscribe. That helps a lot. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Today in Titletown, at Today Titletown on Twitter. So uh, that'll do it for us. But stay tuned later this week for the Buccaneers preview episode. Thank you for listening. Go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.